I'd like to direct your attention to the Old Testament prophetic book of Isaiah. Turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 49. And we're only going to read a single verse, verse number 25. We're going to look at one small context of this scripture. And we're going to take that and run with it. I'm just going to warn you, I do feel a little stirred up in the Holy Ghost tonight. I hope that's okay with you. But uh, I'm not going to let the fact that it's summertime and all of that keep me from preaching the way God laid this on my heart. And so we're just going to preach it the way God gave it to me. And, and we're going to just allow the Lord to have his way. Isaiah 49, 25. If you have that, wave your hand at me. Let me know. But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I, and this is what I'd like you to notice, for I will contend with him that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children. How many need the Lord to contend with your enemies tonight? That's a promise from the Lord. And so I'm preaching from this title. Don't fight fair with the devil. Don't fight fair with the devil. Let's put our Bibles down and let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Lord... We love you. We need you. God, I, I pray that our hearts would be receptive to your word. We've, the worship has gone forth, and Lord, the soil has been plowed. And I pray that the seed of your word would fall on good ground tonight. We love you and we praise you. I thank you for what we've already felt here and experienced. We give you praise. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing out of respect for the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Make no mistake about it. We are in a fight. One of the most chilling events in the Bible is when Jesus looks at Simon Peter and says, Behold, Satan hath desired to have thee, that he may sift thee, as wheat. In the Old Testament, God gave the prophet Zechariah a vision of the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. But standing next to the high priest was Satan himself hurling slanders and accusations against the high priest of God. These are stark reminders that although we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Just in case you've forgotten, let me remind you that we are locked in an epic battle against hell itself. Satan is still the accuser of the brethren. He is still the great adversary of your soul. He is still the prince of the power of the air. 
He is not a joke or a fable from a storybook. He's not lovable, likable, or misunderstood. He is the incarnation of evil. He's the source of pain and suffering. He's the master of misery. He knows that he has lost the ultimate war, but he can still win some battles. You are nothing more than a trophy to him, another catch that he can reel in and show off. Your soul is just another notch on his barrel. You're a means to an end to further break God's heart. He takes perverse pleasure in your suffering and his deception is custom blended just for you. It's a war that we're engaged in. It's a fight. The battle lines are drawn and we must know where we stand in this battle. Stepping out of the fight is not an option. There can be no conscientious objectors in spiritual warfare. Like it or not, you're in this thing. Mike Tyson once said, if you're going to fight, fight to win. And I concur. If you're going to be in it, be in it to win it. No games, no, no pretending, no deserting, no cowering, no blaming, no distractions. Because Satan is murdering our children. Satan is destroying lives with addiction and deception and false doctrine. I saw images this weekend of over 100 Christian children brutally slaughtered in Africa simply because they were Christians. This means war. I saw images of Christian men being brutally tortured in Syria simply because they were Christians. This means war. I see suicide statistics climbing among every demographic. This means war. I see vacant eyes staring back at me when I walk down the streets. I see hopelessness, desperation, alienation, and infiltration. This, my friend, means war. When innocent babies are being aborted and sold for parts over salad, I say this means war. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the church to stand up. It's time for the church to march into battle with our eyes wide open. Wake up, oh sleeping giant. No more games. No more playing church. No more pretending. It's time to get serious about this thing. And if you haven't settled what you believe, listen to me, honey. You better go ahead and settle some things in your heart because we're living in the last days and whatever can be shaken will be shaken. So make sure that you have built your house on a firm foundation. It's time to stop fighting amongst ourselves. It's time to stop jockeying for positions and quibbling over titles. It's time to stop losing our brothers and sisters to friendly fire because there's nothing friendly about friendly fire when you're on 
the battlefield. It's time to stop clinging to our stuff and wishing for better days. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the season that God has placed you in. Point to yourself and say, that's me. God brought me to this season. And I have a word from the Lord for you tonight. If you don't hear anything else that I say, I know it's tempting to look at the encroaching darkness all around and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. Let me tell you what the Lord wants to tell you tonight. This is your season. And He has placed you in it for such a time as this. God did not place apostolic tabernacle in the middle of 2015 to give up. He placed us here so that we can fight the enemy. And he knows that we can be victorious. But you've got to have faith, faith, faith. All right. The first thing you need to know about the devil is that he does not fight fair. The second thing you need to know is that you should never, someone said never, you should never underestimate the devil. I know we're apostolic and we sing about stomping on the devil and I say go for it. Stomp all over him, honey. I Do it. Dance around this building and stomp on the devil. I think that's great. But you be careful that you don't create a spiritual arrogance in your spirit where you don't recognize that he is an adversary. He's like a roaming lion. He's, he's going to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And I've seen people who dropped their guard because they became spiritually arrogant about spiritual warfare. I don't care how holy you think you are. I don't care how many hours a day you pray. You are still susceptible to spiritual warfare. And you better recognize that your enemy, he's looking for you. He's watching you. He's laying custom-built traps for you. He's looking at your every move because he wants to bring Bring down the children of God. It's one thing to get a hold of a sinner, but it's a whole nother trophy indeed. If he can bring down a one God apostolic tongue talking, don't you think for one minute you don't have a big red X painted on your back? He's looking for you. Go ahead. Go ahead and recognize that you are in a battle. If you're in a battle, That's how Adam and Eve got messed up. When Satan came against humanity for the very first time, think about that for a moment. The very first time he attacked humanity, he won the battle. You'd think it would have taken at least a little time. Adam and Eve lived in absolute sinless perfection. They lived in beauty and opulence. They had no labor. They had no turmoil. They had no pain. They walked with God in the cool of the evening. And yet, all it took was a few well-placed lies from the devil, and it brought them down because he did not fight fair. He was manipulative and deceptive 
and they did not see it coming. And so I say to the last day church, we don't need to fight fair with the devil either. Go ahead and do what you've got to do to win. But make up your mind, I am in this thing to win this thing. Whatever I've got to do. I wish somebody would go ahead and clap your hands. If you've made up your mind, you're going to win this battle. Whatever you have to do. Now here's how Satan works. He wants you to operate on his terms. He wants to create the environment. He wants to pick the battlefield. He wants to choreograph the fight to his advantage. If you look at the spiritual battles that were fought and won by the people of God in the Bible, they did not fight fair with the devil. They refused to accept his terms. When David went into the battlefield, he found a single giant intimidating an entire army. The giant had picked the place, he had picked the time, and he had picked the mode and the method of warfare. When David, young David, insisted on fighting Goliath, even King Saul said, put on my traditional armor and use my conventional weapons and fight Goliath on his terms. Somebody needs to hear this preacher tonight. But David had no intentions of making this thing a fair fight and you shouldn't do it either. He knew he couldn't win using conventional weapons of warfare. He knew he couldn't win wearing conventional armor. He knew that Goliath was bigger and stronger and better than he was. But he had cultivated some things in his private life. Things that would be useful to him on the battlefield. Let me pause here and say if you want to have an unfair advantage over the devil, you better cultivate some private weapons like prayer. You better get out in the sheep pasture. You better get to the house of God where the other sheep are. You better... My God, you better get around some faithful shepherds. You better have a father in your life. You better have a great shepherd in your life that has authority over you. Don't tell me you're going to win battles against the devil if you refuse to allow spiritual authority in your life. You will lose every battle that you ever face if you reject God-given if you reject God-given spiritual authority you'll be another maverick brought down by Goliath's sword but when you say I've got some things in my private life I'm going to be a prayer warrior when nobody's looking I'm going to be a faster when nobody knows about it I'm going to be a giver when nobody else is giving I'm going to be a praiser when nobody else is praising I'm going to be a worshiper when nobody else is worshiping Nobody's got to be looking. Nobody's got to pat me on the back, Brother Dustin, because I am cultivating an unfair advantage over the devil. If you want to bring him down, take care of some things in your private walk with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There. There is no substitute 
for the weapons that you craft in your private relationship with God. I'm thankful that we come to church. And I'm thankful that when we come, we worship. But you know, our worship at church should be an extension of what we've been doing all week long. Church should not be the place where we come and give our reasonable service. Church, when we come lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, we're not lifting up holy hands because we showed up to church. We're lifting up holy hands because we've been walking in that private victory all week long. And then when you come to the house of God, you ought to walk in full of the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't have to come to church. I know we need to come and be refreshed and filled up. I understand all of those things. But if you're backslidden all week long and then just barely making it to Sunday, you're going to lose every battle that you face against the devil. You've got to go ahead and serve God in the sheep pasture. That's what David did. Nobody even knew. Nobody even knew that he had killed bears and lions. He'd done all of this by the power of God. And he had culted things in his spirit, in his private life. God had been preparing him for such a time as the, everything about David's life had been preparation for this one moment in time facing a Goliath that seemed impossible to defeat. And I believe that the church right now in 2015, in spite of the darkness of the world, the church is uniquely positioned. And I believe specifically this church right here on 9769 Terra Boulevard. I believe that we are uniquely positioned to be a light in a dark world. <laughs> I believe that God is calling us to be a revival center of the last days because it's not the will of God that one more soul should perish. It's not the will of God that one more drug addict should die in a gutter somewhere. It's not the will of God that one more of our neighbors would be lost. It's the will of God for the church to be strong in the last days. Not fearful, not timid, not weak, not afraid. The church. The church. And by that I mean me, not this building. By that I mean you. You, know, you do know that this church is not this building, right? If a tornado took this building out, God forbid, tomorrow, there would still be a church here. Because you are the church. Praise God. And so the church must cultivate, if we're going to be strong in the world that we're living in, we must have a private relationship with God. We've got to cultivate, let me say it again, prayer. Everyone said prayer. Fasting. Everyone said fasting. Faithfulness and obedience. Slay the lions and the bears when no one else is watching. And you'll slay giants when everyone is watching. Goliath despised David for coming at him with nothing more than slings and stones. But David had the secret weapon, an unfair advantage even though he was physically mismatched. He said, you come at me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee. Here's the key now. He said, but I come to thee in the name, 
in the name, in the name of the Lord of hosts. It wasn't about the five smooth stones. It wasn't about the slingshot. It wasn't about his size, but it was about the name of his God. And he had a banner flying over him. He had a standard that went before him. That was his advantage. He was going to fight dirty with the devil because he wasn't fighting alone. He knew the secret that the great God of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, Jehovah Jireh, was going to be with him in battle. Clap your hands to the Lord if you believe that God will go before you. Yes, yes, yes. Fighting in the name of the Lord. Someone said Jesus. The rest of you said Jesus. Fighting in the name of the Lord gives you an unfair advantage that the enemy always, always, always underestimates. Use that weapon in every situation because there is power in the name of Jesus. There is victory in the name of Jesus. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Are you looking for a place of safety tonight? You better get a hold of the name of Jesus. Are you looking for healing tonight? You're going to get it in the name of Jesus. Are you looking for deliverance tonight? It only comes through the power of the name of Jesus. Now, God doesn't need to fight with the enemy's weapons. See, many of us, we mess up when Saul offers us the armor because we like the sword. Swords are cool. I'm a guy. I like, someone gave me a sword, I'd take it. Woo, glory. Apostolic ninja, praise God. It'd be hard for me to pass that up. Big old shield like that. Man, I'd want that. I've wanted that since I was three. Somebody offered me a king's armor. Man, it'd be hard to turn that down. But that's exactly what David did. But many of us don't. We accept weapons that we should not be fighting with. We argue with people instead of loving people. We fight against flesh and blood when we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're fighting the wrong things. We're wrestling against the wrong things. We're using the wrong tools. When God doesn't need any of those things, God can do more with stones than the enemy can do with spears and swords. Pharaohs attack with armies and chariots, but God commands the wind and sea. The Midianites come with armies and warriors, but God sends men with pitchers and trumpets. Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness with lies and temptation. But Jesus, and here's what you need to know. You want to get an unfair advantage over the devil? Do what Jesus did and simply use the word of God. Hey, 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 listen now. So don't let that pass you by because that's a powerful revelation. You want to have authority over the devil? Get, a, get, your, get your head in the word of God. And when he comes against you, 
trying to bring false doctrine and manipulation, you can say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And then he's going to come against you again, and he's going to say this, and you're going to say, thus saith the word of the Lord. Because listen, listen to me, the word of God, the word of God is your sword. It's not an earthly sword. Hallelujah. It's not a physical sword, but the word of God is your spiritual sword that will slice and dice against everything the enemy brings. But it will not be effective if you have not put it in your heart. You know why a lot of Christians have no power? They've never put the word in their heart. And so when they're walking in a wilderness with temptation all around, And they're hungry and thirsty and tired and weary. The enemy whispers. And they have nothing to fall back on. Because their Bibles are dusty. And brand new looking. It's not the will of God that our Bibles should look beautiful. Mm -mm. Our Bibles should be well worn. They should be tear stained. They should be full of our prayers that we wrote as God dealt with us as we delved into his holy word. Do you still believe the word is holy? Do you still believe the word is inerrant? Praise the Lord. And so the word of God is your secret weapon. Revelations describes a great war. In heaven, when Satan comes, breathing fire, deceit, and accusations. But the saints overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And here's the part we don't like. Listen now. And they love not their lives unto death. I think we have a problem in Western culture. We love our stuff more than we love God. We love our money. We love our things. We love our ease. But we're not to love our lives unto death. Stop trying to defeat the enemy with his weapons on his terms. Don't fight fair. Don't be timid. Be bold and courageous. Because your king will contend with your enemies. On your behalf. I'm reminded of the story. We just get a little glimpse of it in Jude chapter 1 and verse 9. And the New Testament writer tells us of a struggle that took place in the spirit realm. There was a dispute over the body of Moses. And Michael, the archangel of the Lord was contending with the devil over a dispute about the body of Moses. And it gives us a key, I believe, to spiritual warfare. And I'm going to slow down because some of us need to hear this. Michael, the Bible says that he durst not bring against the devil, think about that, a railing accusation. And so instead, the angel of the Lord, Michael himself, said to the devil, the Lord rebuke thee. Now you want to talk about not fighting fair. 
That was an underhanded fight. But I think that's all right because we ought to defeat the devil whatever it takes. You see, Michael gave us an example to follow. You and I have no authority over the devil. But God has all authority in heaven and in earth. And so, when you rebuke the devil, do it in the name of the Lord. Allow God. You see, here's the problem. In our minds, we sometimes think in our, in our theology, we've sometimes gotten twisted up and we think that, that we have some kind of commanding power. Listen to me. We don't have commanding power. God has the authority. And when you call on the name of Jesus, you're not taking your own authority. You are simply invoking the authority that comes from the throne room of God itself. And so when you say, I rebuke the devil in Jesus' name, you are not rebuking the devil with your authority. And you better make sure you understand that in your mind. You are simply saying, by the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are rebuked right now by the creator of heaven and earth. And when you allow the Lord to rebuke the devil, I'm going to tell you, God will kick him out of dodge faster than anything else in this world. We need to start allowing God to fight our battles. That's the secret weapon. We're fighting our battles. When God is willing and able to fight our battles on our behalf. Let me close with this story. Elisha, I always enjoy Elisha. He's a fascinating Old Testament prophet. But the Syrians were coming against the nation of Israel and the king of Israel. And, uh, and I want to demonstrate to you that God doesn't fight fair. And so the Syrian king was coming against God's people and, and he would make plans to attack the Israelites at specific times and places and he would give instructions to his, uh, to his commanders and to his advisors. And God would speak to the prophet Elisha and tell him exactly where the Syrian king was going to attack and exactly what he was going to do. And this happened several times until finally the Syrian king thought, there's a traitor in my camp. There's somebody here who's a traitor, and he began, and they said, no, no, listen, sir, it's, it's not us. There's no traitor here, but it's that old prophet. <laughs> it's that mean old man of God. And, and, and he, it's like he can hear what you're even saying in your bedchamber. He's that in tune with the voice of God that he knows what you're saying in your secret places. And he said, I got to kill that man. He said, find out where that prophet is. That's what the devil always does. He's going to come against the man of God in your life. That's why you need to pray for the man of God in your life. The enemy will always attack the watchman on the wall. And so they said, listen, we're going to find him. And they did. And they said, listen, he's in, he's in Dothan. We've got to get to Dothan. And they, they ran to Dothan and they surrounded the city where the prophet Elisha was. And Elisha was there in his house with his servant 
And his servant looked out and he said, I don't know what we're going to do, Elisha. They're everywhere. They outnumber us. There's nothing we're going to be able to do. What are we going to do? And Elisha prayed and he said, listen, listen to me. There is more here than is out there. And he said, Lord, open up his eyes. And the Lord opened up. I'm praying the Lord would open up somebody's eyes tonight because some of you are walking in fear. Some of you are walking and you're afraid of what's happening in this world. But I'm praying that the Lord would open up your eyes in the realm of the spirit and when God opened up that servant's eyes he saw the chariots of the angels of the Lord surrounding all around about I'm going to tell you there's angels of the Lord right now filling up this tabernacle I know you think there's empty pews here tonight but I'm looking with the eyes of the spirit and I see angelic hosts and right now the armies of the Lord are encamped round about God's people there are more I know you think I know you think the world has us outnumbered but the armies of the Lord are encamped round about God's people listen to me young person listen to me young adult I know you think that this world has you outnumbered but you need to stop looking with the eyes of your flesh and look with the eyes of the spirit because there is a great host that is with you When you go on the job and everything around you is full of promiscuity and everything is around you is full of of ungodliness, I want you to lift up your eyes and know that the angels of the Lord are encamped around about you. When you go to school and college and it's filled with all kinds of perversion, lift up your eyes and know greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you look at backslidden family members and you look at family that's never served God and it looks like they're never going to serve God, go ahead and look with the eyes of the Spirit because the angels of the Lord are encamped round about you. Don't fight fair with the devil. Loose things in the Spirit. Operate in the realm of the Spirit. As the musicians come. And so, Elisha prayed that the eyes of the Syrian army would be blinded. And they were blinded. And he prayed that they would go to a certain place. And the Bible says, in one of the most amazing stories, the Bible says that the Syrian army blindly traveled to the wrong city And they found themselves smack dab in the middle of Samaria with the Israelite king and all of the Israelite army surrounding them. God had, listen, God doesn't fight fair. When you trust in the name of the Lord, when you fight battles spiritually and not carnally, God will lead your enemies to a place of absolute defeat. You won't even have to fire a shot. You won't even have to lift a finger because when God fights your battles, he'll take care of everything. He'll take them right to the danger zone. He'll bring Goliath down with a single stone. That's the kind of God that we serve. And the Israelite king was astonished. 
he said, he said, Elisha, should I kill him? Woo! Elisha said, no, sir. He sounded a little disappointed. He said, no, we don't kill prisoners of war. Feed them. Feed them. Stand with me. Throw a victory party. Because God has delivered your enemies into your hands. I didn't know pastor was going to preach what he did this morning. He referenced Paul and Silas in the innermost prison at midnight. And I've sometimes imagined as they were sitting there beaten and bruised and hungry and full of pain. I sometimes envision what it must have been like for Silas. I don't know who started it. I'm just assuming that Paul did, but maybe Silas did. But Allow me to use my imagination. I've always imagined it must have been strange for Silas when Paul just Start singing praises to God in the middle of a dungeon. And in my vivid imagination, I sometimes see Paul nudging Silas, saying, hey, we're not going to fight fair tonight. I know it seems like we're defeated. I know it seems like we're down. But we have a secret weapon that can shake the foundations of this place. Each and every one of you has a secret weapon with your praise tonight. I don't know where you are. I wonder if we could come to this altar as a church family. But I'd like us to do this. I'd like us to come with a praise on our lips. And by that I mean Voices raised, voices raised, voices raised. And I'm going to tell you, as you're walking to this altar, and I feel the Holy Ghost right now, if you will come with your voice raised and your hand lifted, no matter what your trial is, no matter what your difficulty is, no matter what giant you're facing, what obstacle it is you're facing, I'm going to tell you, if you'll unleash your praise, you will gain an unfair advantage over the devil. And God will shake some things in your life. Some of you have some things that need to be shaken. You have fear. You have failure. You have addiction. You have trials. You need things things to be shaken in your life. And a last day church can't pretend like everything's fine when it's not fine. We don't need to worry. We've all been there. We've all had moments where we desperately needed the touch of God. I wonder if there's someone that would humble themselves and come to this altar with me with your voices lifted and your hands lifted, believing that God is going to shake whatever your circumstances are. Go ahead and bring it to the altar tonight. But don't come quietly. Don't come timidly. Don't come afraid. Don't come by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Everyone overcome. We will overcome 
by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony everyone overcome we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony everyone Okay. 